to give to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after she, her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you once again for bringing to all of us together in this building tonight. We thank you for keeping us safe while we traveled here. And we ask now that you continue to keep us safe, but more importantly, that you open the eyes of our hearts and in our minds, and that we will be humble to receive your message, whatever it may be. Help us, Father, see your truth. Let your Holy Spirit be upon us, Lord God. And Father, please bless me. Anoint my lips, Lord God. Use me again as your vessel. To deliver your message. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I entitled our message tonight, Who Likes Waiting? No. It's worth the wait. Worth the wait. Worth the wait. The essence of waiting for Christ. That's our Christmas series this year. So the Christmas series is only going to be three Sundays. No. Two Sundays and one Saturday for Christmas Eve. Maybe. <laughs> um, question, who likes waiting? Raise your hand. <laughs> well, if you do, you're one of the minorities. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Nobody likes waiting. You know, but, but we're forced to wait. Because at many times, we have no choice. Do we agree? If you're married, you have to wait. If you're the husband, you have to wait. <laughs> we have no choice. Now, most of the world, especially in the Philippines, they are anxiously waiting for Christmas. They started the countdown in September. When the burr ends in the month, they start counting. 99 days till Christmas. 
for the children, excitement fills their hearts and their minds with the anticipation if they're going to get the Christmas present that they have in their list. However, not everyone likes waiting. And not everyone likes Christmas. Some actually hates. They hate the holidays due to it's, it emphasizes their loneliness and it stresses them. It stresses them. Why? Because they have a lot of gifts to buy. So the guys that are dating, they usually break up with their girls on Christmas. <laughs> and then you get back to them with them again on February. Yeah. You know, you, you, you tell your child, wait. And for some children, that's quite hard to wait, right? But waiting is part of life. Now there's, has this happened to you? This, this is the picture of uh, Reno DMV before they moved to their new building. Whenever I get that notice that I have to go in that building, man, I just I get stressed out even before I get there. Now there's the text so you can wait virtually. Now there's a study that actually shows that people would rather wait virtually than physically. Now you think about that and and if you're G four eight eight, you're thinking like three more, I'm there, right? Or you're there, you're gonna have to go to counter eighteen. And what if you're G650, right? You're just like, you're done. No more. You have to call in. There's no thing, nothing else that you can do. Because waiting is a part of life. And then when we wait, anxiety comes. Because if, if we're trying to catch the plane, if we're going to the Philippines for after 15 years and you're going to catch the plane, your anxiety is, am I going to miss the plane? Right? So for a lot of Filipinos, when it comes to going to the Philippines, they're never late for the first time in their life. It's that one time that they are never late. The flight to the Philippines because their anxiety, I'm not going to lose $1,600. <laughs> right? Or, or the anticipation of excitement for somebody who's going to marry the girl of her dreams. He has been waiting for her. For five years, right? And now this is it. They're going to finally get married. The waiting is excitement. It's exciting. There's no anxiety there. There's no worry there. It's just like, can't wait. Can't wait for her to say, I do. But there's just a lot of things about waiting that we don't like, really. And here's a girl... Couldn't find any picture of my kids before. I knew I took a picture of them. But this is a girl that just, she just decided to sleep right next to her present. You know, a study, they did a study that explored how frequently consumers are waiting in line. And how they feel about waiting. And how brands can improve their customer experience when customers have to wait. Um, waiting in line, they said here, has been called a timeless form of torture. Imagine, in the U.S. alone, Americans spend roughly 37 billion hours each year waiting in line. <laughs> My goodness, 37 billion hours. Who runs those, those places? That's a lot. 
Now, here are the key findings of, of the stresses there. Waiting in line is most common in retail establishments, restaurants, and pharmacies. People who don't mind waiting are in the minority. Waiting in physical lines is mostly, uh, most commonly associated with negative emotions. That's why I don't expect a, a friendly person in line. They're usually crabby. Though most people recently waited on premises in a physical line, the vast majority would prefer a virtual line if given the choice. People are willing to wait longer in a virtual line than a physical line. Now, why is that? Because we're just naturally impatient. We agree? We're in a... Some of us are agreeing, yeah. We're in a society that wants it now. Amazon Prime, right? Amazon Prime, two days, three days. You're like, yeah. Microwave, five seconds. That's too long, right? Your, your phone was working fine, right? But now they came up with the 5G or the LTE, whatever. I don't know which one's faster. Man, but I remember AOL, dial-up. Oh, my goodness. And you guys are just like, come on, come on, come on. Impatient. You know, a 2015 Microsoft study found that the average human attention span clocked in at eight seconds, a full second shorter than that of a goldfish. That's why you're complaining that my preaching is too long, but because you have an eight-second attention span. <laughs> I'm kidding. Technology is teaching us to expect instant gratification, but the physical world rarely works that way. It's just not always true it cannot happen you cannot rush a good thing you simply cannot just expedite things you have to marry the girl before you have sex with the girl but the society now says have sex first then marry later it's like driving a car let's drive it if you like it marry if not yeah return it but the Bible, it's all, the world is completely upside down versus what the Bible tells us. And Christmas emphasizes this to us. Christmas season, if I may, emphasizes our impatience. It shows us and, repeat and, and reveals to us our sinful nature. I want it now. That's why the get rich uh, schemes are so prevalent and people get hurt by it. Because nobody wants to work for 40 years. Everybody just wants to be a millionaire right there. When I buy the ticket, I'll be a millionaire. And I'll buy the church a building. <laughs> That's always the thing. But based on what we read, and my wife's name being Anna, that's what we're going to tackle tonight. Who is Anna? Not Anna Lou, but Anna the prophet. Who is Anna the prophet? The last time we tackled Simeon, now we're going to do Anna, Anna the prophet. And we read that in verses 36 and 38. Anna the prophet, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. Now, Anna the prophet, she is a woman who I imagine walks in the temple and simply glows. You know? In her place, I can picture so many of the saintly women in, in my life who have devoted themselves to the work of the church, like the prayer warriors, the ladies in the prayer, uh, prayer meeting. They are always coming in with a smile. 
and they know that the Lord is smiling on them and they're excited to do the work of prayer. I imagine her gracing the temple with her presence and being an expansive presence to all around her. Do you know those people? Have you seen that woman? You know a woman like that that you know you can go to because they love the Lord and they just can't wait for you to tell them what your prayer request is? I know such women. And Anna the prophet is that. We only have three short verses to see who this woman is. But the biblical text gives us some clues about who we would have encountered if we met Anna in this temple space. See, she, she is described as being a woman who fasted often. So I can imagine she was thin. And she probably wasn't Baptist. <laughs> she was fasting. She was always fasting. Being of a great age gave her a social standing in her community as an elder. Additionally, her ability to move about the temple to come and go gives us an indication that she was physically able to move around. At her old age, she was active. Her designation as a prophet, you guys see that? Indicates her spiritual acuity. And the fact that her spiritual community values her giftings and recognizes recognizes her authority. She is described as the daughter of Phanuel and of the tribe of Asher. Luke names her father and tribe, making her one of the few New Testament characters with tribal listings. Others who would hold tribal listings include Jesus of the house of lineage of David and the tribe of Judah. That's in Luke 2.4, Matthew 1. Saul of the tribe of Benjamin, that's in Philippians 3.5, and Barnabas, a Levite, that was in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Anna is the only named female prophet in the New Testament, combined with her advanced standing in her community and dedication to prayer in the temple. This suggests Anna was a woman of remarkable faith. That's Hannah, the prophet. So, for our first point tonight, waiting requires faith. Waiting requires faith. All of us are told to wait one way or another in our life. And that requires faith. You know, in Micah 5.2, Bethlehem Ephrath, you are one of the smallest towns in the nation of Judah. But the Lord will choose one of your people to rule the nation. Someone whose family goes back to ancient times. This is a prophecy about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Now, the first point is waiting requires faith. Faith on either the person, faith on the business that you bought the stuff from, from Amazon. They say two days, there's guaranteed, Amazon Prime guarantee, you know it's going to be there. Faith on an organization. Faith that uh, if you go in McDonald's and you gave them your money, your faith is that they will give you the number that you, computation that you asked for, right? You wanted the Big Mac, you're expecting the Big Mac. You have faith in that transaction. We always put our faith, but as we put our faith, we're always told to wait, Right? The birth of the Messiah was prophesied in Micah seven years. Seven, not seven years, 700 years. <laughs> I know, 700 years. 
Who can wait 700 years? Some of us were told to wait two years, we're told to wait five years, and then we say, that's too long. That's too long. I don't want to wait. If somebody tells me, Joe, you just have to wait. In 20 years, your business will flourish. I'm going to say, dude, is there any way we can have that time? <laughs> is there any way that we can just expedite this? Because 20 years, man, I don't know if I can make it. But we're told to wait. And then we are, when we rest our faith in God, there's no rushing God. I don't know about you, but there's no rushing him. We can try in our prayers, right? Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. How long? It's 2022, Lord. I've been praying for this since 2018. When are you going to change my husband? Not change his attitude, like change him, him, you know? Change. <laughs> Waiting requires faith. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, in waiting that requires faith, this is the right way to use the phrase, if I can have everybody's attention, because you always tell me this. This is the right way on where you put the phrase, in God's time. In God's time means you wait in faith in God. You don't make God wait for you. If God tells you to go to Saudi, you go to Saudi. You don't say, in God's time. Look, the great flood came after 100 years. 100 years after God told Mo, uh, Noah in a flood. 100 years. Isaac was born, the promised son, was born 25 years after the promise. 25 years. The Israelites went into, into the promised land after 40 years. 40. Joseph the dreamer saw his father Jacob after 22 years. After being first sold into slavery by his brothers. And Jesus' birth in Micah. Again, 700, 700 years. Now if you think about that. Micah said... This 700 years ago, and then there's this Anna the prophet waiting, and Simeon waiting in the temple, waiting expect, expectantly that God will fulfill his promise. And they were waiting in the temple, waiting in the temple, because it was revealed to them that it will be, it will be fulfilled. Anna the prophet waited for Jesus for many years. If she was married at 14 years old, because the Bible told us, right? The scripture told us that she was married. Usually during the, those times, you were married at 14. A common age for women to wed at that time. And she was married for seven years. So that means she was 21 when she was widowed. My goodness, what kind of life, right? 14 and then seven and then you're a you you're now you're single again. The text reads that she was a widow until she was 84 years old. 84 years old. You would think that this person at that point will give up on God. Let me think about it. Look how unfortunate her life turned. 
usually now, if this happens now, they would stop coming to church, they will stop praying, they will say, I don't, I don't have faith anymore. Because how can there be a God if this would happen to me? And it, she was single for 80, 84 years, until eight, she was 84. Some interpret the text to say that she was a widow for 84 years, which would make her 105 years old during that time. Some say that. Now, this wrinkled, saintly woman is a woman who, after her husband, her husband passed, is described as never leaving the temple. She worships with fasting and prayer every night and day. When she comes into the temple in the day, Jesus is there. She sees what others could not. That moment she arrives, she begins praising God and telling about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, Anna's speech is not narrated, yet the story is powerful. The reason why I'm pausing and putting the brakes here, because we usually just read through that and miss that whole thing. We only read of Simeon's words. Anna seems to be caught up in the moment, giving instruction to everyone around her to praise, to praise God. The messianic overtones given by the narrator suggest that she began evangelizing to all present, to anyone who was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, what motivated someone like Anna, Daniel, Micah, Moses, Isaiah, and the many other men and women in the Bible to wait on the Lord? What motivated them? To wait on the Lord even though their surrounding and their circumstances seems to be that God has forgotten His promise. What motivated them? What motivated them is because they knew that God is faithful. They knew who God is. Now question, church, to you is, do you know God that way? Now again, I don't want you to miss that Anna was prayerful. Anna was fasting. Anna was at church. She was at the temple. She was waiting expectantly, doing the work of prayer, doing the fasting part, not letting go of God as much as she believed that God will be true to her, to his promise. The only way, church, that you can truly hold on to who God is, is if you're also prayerful. The only way that you can truly know who God is, is if you're reading and studying his word. Now, our year is about to end, and next month, I will be asking, who of you have finished the Bible from cover to cover? I'm waiting for an answer, really. I'm hoping that some, or if not all of you, will be raising your hand and saying, I finished it. I made it a point this year, 2022, to read the entire Word of God. I might have not understood 80% of it, but I stored it in there. I stored it in there. Because if it's not in there, the Holy Spirit cannot draw from it. 
There's really nothing. There's really nothing. That, there's, there's no way that you can understand all of this in one sitting. But there's definitely, there's definitely the Holy Spirit that will make you understand what you read. You know, I, I find it surprising up to now that when I'm, I'm preaching here and it's not in my notes and another verse that's, that's related or connected to what I'm talking about comes out. He'll just reveal it because it's God. It's God that draws it. What motivated these people is because they knew that God is true to his word. They knew that God is faithful. They knew that their God will come through. But just like the children, right now, your children, if you have kids and it's Christmas time, they're waiting expectantly for Christmas Day. And they know, they know that those boxes there are for them. And they know there's a good chance that one of those gifts, if not all of it, are the ones that they requested from you. Because if they knew you for being like that, a parent that gives them what they want, then they know, oh boy, I can't wait. I can't wait for the 25th. I know it's going to be there. Unlike me and my siblings, me and my siblings, when we moved here in December 19, 1993, imagine me and my siblings thought that moving to America on Christmas Day will be the best event in our lives. December 24, we were in California sitting, waiting in anticipation because, you know, there was a game console that was out that was popular during that time. And me, JP, my brother, and Jamie were thinking, this is, we're, we see a box there that says in the Christmas tree, Salcedo kids, Salcedo kids. We're like, oh, it's big enough to be the Sega, the Sega 2000. We're like, dude, that's it. We're going to get the Sega. It's so expensive in the Philippines. You know, I, I would have to donate my kidney to buy it in the Philippines. But here in America, it was like 200 bucks. We're like, well, I'm sure my aunties who are all CPAs, my uncles who are all working for the city, I'm sure they would have probably chipped in there. That's the Sega. Time to open, time to open. We open, we wrapped it, we like open it. We're like, yeah, right here, let me do it. Me and JP and Jamie, and we open it. It's like Webster's Dictionary. The perfect gift for people who migrated fresh off the boat. <laughs> Just in case you don't know the English of, you open there and you look for it. Wasn't the Sega, guys. I still am waiting for that Sega from them, but I don't think it'll come. But this is Isaiah 40, 31, it reads, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah 40 is set during a time of exile and upheaval for God's people. God has judged the Israelites for their disobedience by allowing the Babylonians to conquer them and sent them into exile in Babylon. The first section of Isaiah describes the judgment of God's people and the reason for it. But in chapter 40, in chapter 40, God wants to comfort his people and give them hope in his promise of restoration. Amen? Folks, Christmas time, 
Christmas time is past the gifts that you're giving your children or the gifts that you're receiving during your elephant, whatever, what do we call that white elephant thing? It's way past, it's way more than that. You know you're going to expect this from me, right? It's the reason for the season is Jesus Christ. The reason that you're tired all the time because you have stopped resting on God. You have stopped waiting on God. The reason that you're tired when you're serving God because you stop plugging in. You have removed yourself from the source of your strength. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Some of us, we can't do that. I can't do it. I keep moving. I want to do something. I don't want to wait. I want action now. Lord, let's get, it, let's get it done now. Give me the building now. I want it now. Proverbs 3, 5 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. So there's a lot of waiting, a lot of resting, a lot of understanding that it's not us, it's God. We always say that. We always say, we admit to it, that we are weak and He is strong. We always say that, but we, when problems come, we want to solve it in our own strength, with our own understanding. Second point. We're on the second point. My goodness, I have six points now. No, I'm kidding. Second point. Faith requires waiting. Waiting requires faith, and faith requires waiting. What do I mean? Isaiah 30, verse 18 reads, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. It's a reverse of the first point. It kind of is the same thing, but I feel like it's two opposite things. When, if your faith is on the wrong thing, it will fail. No matter how long you wait, and no matter how strong you profess your faith. If your faith was on a person and that person failed you, too bad. Your faith you professed, your faith you counted on, but the faith that was, the person that was resting your faith in, failed. It's just like, if I believed that if I say it and I claim it and it will happen, and then I say, I claim it that I can fly a plane. And I'm claiming it. And I believe it. And I've been saying this for one whole year. And I got in that plane that you were, that you were in, going to the Philippines, and I told the pilot, dude, I claim it. I believe it. I profess it. I will be the one to fly us to the Philippines. And then you guys will say, Pastor can do it. He has the faith. We believe him. Are you seriously going to let me take off with that plane? You will. You will. You'll just get off it, right? Yeah, all right, Pastor Joe. We'll see you. Let me take a good shot at this. You know it will crash. I probably won't even get off. But see, our faith on God 
requires us to wait on him. Faith requires waiting on the Lord. God isn't a genie that we boss around. Majority of the time, we have that wrong notion of who God is. Lord, I served you last week and the week before that. I gave my tithes repeatedly. I pray to you every day. The last, the only thing I'm asking for is that you give me this girl to fall in love with me. Right? We boss him around as if he's a genie. God tells us what to do. It's not the other way around. However, God is not a tyrant that, that's egotistic and takes pleasure in ordering people around. Rather, he is a loving God. He's like a father that has made a promise to his child that if they will wait on Christmas Day, they will probably see the gift that they are wanting. You know, Anna waited for 80 years. Anna the prophetess waited for 80 years. Anna Lou is still waiting for me to change. <laughs> she has waited for 22 years. Last point, worth the wait. This is the title of our message, worth the wait. Is God worth the wait, church? Yes, yes. amen. God is worth the wait. God is worth the wait, church. So I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what your struggle has been. I don't know what that thing is that has been hurting you. I don't know what your thorn is in your side that's been preventing you from moving forward completely and utterly and 100%. Jumping off the cliff, knowing that God will catch you. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that, that you will do that, okay? If it's metaphorically speaking, I don't know what that is. What's that thing that's stopping you from taking that plunge in faith that, God, you called me to do this, and I have faith in you because it's not about my strength, it's about yours. So I'm going to take the plunge, Lord. I don't know what it is, but church, God is worth the wait. 2 Peter 3.8 reads, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And James 5.7 reads, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Our Lord wants us to learn to trust him. Our Lord wants us to improve our faith on Him. Now, if He spoils us that the second you prayed about, He'll give it to you, your faith will not grow. But there was a time in our faith, especially the baby Christians, if you're a baby Christian, man, take advantage of it right now. <laughs> Anything that you ask for usually in your early stages in life in Him, he will give it right away because he wants you to know, I'm here, I'm hearing you, I'm listening to you, and I will give it. But as you're maturing in your faith, God will say, you're going to have to learn to wait, Joe. You know, I'm finding out the more gray hair I have, the longer he wants me to wait. The more gray hair I get, the longer he wants me to wait. Because it's not the time of response. It's not the time of response. 
He's not delayed because it's in his time. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's in his time. I don't know what you've been praying for. I don't know what you've been asking for. But God is saying, if you have faith in him, you are to wait for him. If it is, if it is whatever you're asking for, if that is in his will, he will give it to you in his time. In his time. Now Luke 2, 37, again it reads here, And then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, Anna was called to pray and to wait on the Lord. We are called to pray and wait on the Lord. Amen? God said that, that we are to wait expectantly for Him, for His second coming. And while we're waiting for Him, we should be in prayer. Because the days are evil. Do you agree? If you don't, if you don't agree, you have drank the Kool-Aid of the world. Because everything that is good is being called evil. Everything that is evil is being called good. There are two genders, but the world is saying there's 85,000 and counting. But there's only two. The lies, the lies are out there. What continues to stick out for me in powerful ways in the story of Anna is her devotion to prayer. Church, the ladies at their prayer meeting, thank you very much for always being there with me. Praying with me. For those of you who are praying for me in your own time, thank you for your prayers. My church, you are to be prayerful. And may I ask, may I request, no, no, no. I gently want to add there fasting. I'm going to be asking us to pray and fast next year as a congregation, but I'll tell you when. But you have to check with your doctor if it's healthy for you, okay? Anna, in her devotion to prayer, fasting, and her life in the temple, she dedicated her life to be at church. I think of the women that I have encountered along this journey of life who do not hold bitterness in their hearts, even after so many heartbreaking things that has happened in their lives. They don't hold bitterness, but yet they ran. They ran to God. They prayed to God. They sing for God. They serve God. They sought God's face above all else. Above removing the pain, they came and they said, I want to praise God. When Anna was widowed at a young age, she could have taken a different posture. She could have sulked or fallen into deep sadness but instead, he shows up here at the tail end of the Christmas narrative as a woman full of hope and purpose. She is accompanied by the Holy Spirit and in my mind seems to float in the direction and the leading of the Spirit in her life. Some of us may readily picture a woman like this from our own lives. 
But for others, the idea of a person led so acutely by the Holy Spirit is an odd thought. A person coming and going and spouting truth to anyone surrounding them at a given time could be called a bit eccentric. You know, that's them being kind. But this prophet from the tribe of Asher finds her place in biblical history and points us to a life lived in expectation. As the days progress, as the weeks come, as Christmas is in our midst, I hope that you are waiting expectantly on the Lord and that your faith on Him as you're constantly still praying and asking Him for whatever it is that you've been You've been requesting from God. I hope that you have enough faith to wait on Him. And I hope that that faith that you have will make you strong as you wait for our Lord. Amen? That's our message tonight. Thank you very much for your patience. As the music team make their way up here, I'd like to say, uh, give this request every time. The altar call, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior so that you will not spend a moment in hell. Please come up and I will lead you to that prayer. And if you've been visiting us for quite some time and the Lord has impressed it in your heart to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message that you've given to us tonight. We thank you for reminding us that our faith on you, in you, is for us to wait on you and to trust you. Remove all our doubts that has been clouding our minds and our hearts. Our doubts that you are not hearing our prayers, that you will not, that you do not care and you will not respond to us. Remove those doubts, Lord. Replace it with the truth of who you are, faithful, loving, and powerful. May we develop a life like the life of Anna the prophetess. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.